Coast to throws it down. Welcome to Coast to Coast, an NBA podcast by the fans for the fans. My name is Chris, and hosting with me is my guy Ronan. Tune in every week as we dive into the hottest content and emerging rumors across the league. Dodgers pulls up three pointer. Don't miss a beat. Whether it's a star on the move or the Knicks acquiring another forward, we got you covered. Zion for four for four! Welcome to the NBA! The game is constantly evolving, and whether it's by the eye test or advanced stats, we'll give you the analysis you need to take your fandom to the next level. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! Sit back and relax. Coast to Coast starts now. Right, guys what's up welcome back to another episode of coast to coast as always we got my buddy here ronan what's going on across the pond there man what's what's the crack oh man uh, not much just trying to make my way through COVID with with some nba basketball that's all you can do and you know what we're gonna do right now we're gonna get our jazz hands ready i'm excited we're gonna jump into some utah basketball this team is surging Tell me your initial thoughts here as they're coming off an eight-game win streak, now sitting at 12-4. and four. Well, the only thing I'm thinking about at this very moment is that whole thing with Donovan Mitchell and Shaq the other night. I mean, so that, was, that was just strange. I mean, the Shaq just wanted to have that. So if Donovan Mitchell ever does win a championship, he can be like, yep, that was all me. I, I, made that guy, <laughs> I made that guy who he is. So Shaq really has all the faith in the world in this guy, and he's just trying to make it look like he impacted his entire career. Uh, very strange situation, but I mean, what can you say about Utah? 12 and 4 record, uh, only behind the Lakers. Biggest credit you can pay them. They currently sit fifth in offensive rating and sixth in defensive rating. They're doing it on both ends, and it's just been, it's been unbelievably impressive. Yeah, man. I, I actually want to go back to the Shaq thing a little bit because it's, it was weird to me because. I, I kind of get it. It's it's this kind of fraternal thing where where you got Shaq, you got Charles Barkley, um, kind of like brushing chips off these guys' shoulders, like trying to give an edge and like and and talk their shit. But it's it's weird for me that now players are starting to get like kind of sick of it. Like it's it's the same old thing all the time. Like they're always just like talking down to these players, and and honestly, I don't see what that does for the league at large. Like for a post-game interview for a guy who just had an amazing game on a team who's surging, like that was a content we got instead of like talking about like how well they've been playing, like how he's been taking his game to another level. But instead we got this awkward exchange. It was weird. It was weird. And I, I hoped they changed that because you're starting to get sick of seeing it all the time. Hey, we don't need to, They don't need to worry about getting getting the hot takes off Shaq and Charles Barkley. They got Ronan Gain and Chris Nambu. We're gonna talk them up right this second. That's all. That's all. The, <laughs> that's all the Jazz stars need to hear. All right, there you go. Take them to the next level. So, but back to what you're talking about with the Jazz. They're ranking right now very quietly. Like they're, they're I don't think they're getting a lot of national coverage here. But like you said, fifth in offense, sixth in defense, and in terms of their offense, like we gotta take a look here for a second. They are shooting threes at an astronomical level right now. They are first in three-point percentage, first in the amount of three-pointers taken. To give you an idea of that, they're taking 47% of their shots behind the arc. And to top that all off, you got the, the Rudy Gobert effect, his efficiency. They're, they're at fourth in um, effective field goal percentage with all their inside shots with him and all their three-pointers, and they're second in rebounds. So they, they're just absolutely killing it right now. And I definitely did not expect this. I don't think we even really touched on them making this big of a surge this season. And no, not at all. I think the biggest thing heading into the season was everyone questioning the move to resign uh, Gobert on, on that Supermax deal. And Obviously, I didn't have this opinion when I first heard about it, but looking at how they're playing and kind of thinking back on it now, it was probably the right move because let's 
be honest here. Utah are a team that have to build around the draft. So when they get talented guys like Rudy Gobert, they have to try and keep them around because they're not going to be able to persuade the big stars in this league to come out and play basketball in Utah. So when they get great pieces in the draft, they just have to commit to them and, and roll the dice on those guys. That's just the way it has to be for Utah, unfortunately. Yeah, like the all the moves they made in the offseason kind of kind of gave you like this fairly lukewarm feeling about them. You have this exciting player in Donovan Mitchell, but he's making this the the max rookie extension and is your best guy going to be a six foot shooting guard? Then you got your super max to go bear. Is your is that money well spent on a guy who can't really produce on the offensive end? And then they spent 52 million on Jordan Clarkson for a guy that I'll, I'll be, I'll be very happy to say I was completely wrong because he is killing it. He's having a career year and I, I got to take that all back. I got to take that all back because he has been a huge part of the reason that they are not only staying in games, but dominating. Cause when he's coming off the bench, he's killing it. I mean, right now he's having a 50, 40, 90 year. He's shooting 58% from two, 41% from three and 96% from charity stripe. Like this guy is, ultimate efficiency and he's doing it on the same volume same minutes and he's clearly just made a jump that i guess maybe the jazz saw coming but right now it's looking like a genius signing yeah i think i, I was always real real happy that they made this move because uh jordan Clarkson's a guy that i believe has a lot of talent and he can bring a lot of scoring to any team really and, he, and he's 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 shown it he got this contract it was questioned by a lot of people and he's shown that he deserved it at this very moment and for the Jazz's sake this year, they just long may it continue. Let, let's hope he's going to be difficult to stay uh, quiet at the level he's playing at right now. But he, if he's either side of uh, his numbers he's putting up right now come the end of the season, the Jazz will know they're getting a big return on their investment. Yeah, man. Hey, another Lakers cast off, just killing it this year. Yeah, get him and uh, Julius Randle back together. Make some noise. <laughs> Maybe if you get D'Lo out of, uh, out of Minnesota, they can, they can do something too together. <laughs> Now someone needs to get D'Lo out of Minnesota because he ain't helping them right now. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about that in a bit. But go, going back to the Jazz as a system, um, I mean, kind of ironic that at the end of the season last year, um, you saw a lot of criticism for Quinn Snyder, who has been known as a really, really good offensive coach, really known for his complex system um, and how efficiently he runs teams. But at the end of the year, they were talking about maybe the system is too complicated for this team. Maybe it doesn't really fit. Maybe that's not really the direction they're going on. And not to say that he was on the hot seat by any means, but I think there's definitely questions surrounding um, if he was a good fit for the players currently on this team. And to see them start off like this, to see them be the most efficient team in the league right now, it's really promising for, for not only the team, but for the coach. And I think right now, and he's definitely got to be in the running for a coach of the year for sure. Oh yeah, 100%. And you look at, look at the way that they're doing it. I mean, they're kind of, they're, I'm not going to compare them to the rock, uh, to the warriors or anything like that. Don't get, don't get me wrong there <laughs> now, but I mean, that's, they kind of transitioned the league into this, this kind of three point league and you got to be able to shoot that three. He's taken that and he's realized that it's true. And, and that's the way he's pushing this team forward. They've got ability to defend. They've got great offense and they're shooting the three ball at a very consistent rate. And I mean, that's kind of the thing that if you're able to do that, you automatically jump into contention in this league. And that's, that's the biggest compliment that you can pay this jazz team and, and, and their coach. Yeah. I think the pace and space for this team, when you think about it, it's just perfect. Donovan Mitchell is one of the best slashes in the league. And then you surround him with guys like Boyan, Ingles, even, even guys like Niang and Royce O'Neal, just players who have got that three-point shot down. And when you see their movement, like they know exactly where to be. They know how to, how to get to the right passing angles. And I think one of the most underrated, beautiful plays in the games today is watching Donovan Mitchell get a double, triple team right under the rim. He'll jump four feet in the air. And then just like sidearm whip a pass halfway across the court to a wide open three point shooter. Like he can hit just about anybody from any angle. Can you just see that basketball repertoire on display when he's using athleticism like that? Um, but 
I mean, Donovan Mitchell, not just his three-point shooting, but you can tell he's he's in a way that you didn't see Jamal Murray do in the beginning of the season. He's really building off his bubble performance. He's playing really efficiently. He's making the right play every time. And especially he looks good alongside Mike Conley, who's looking a lot more like Mike Conley. I mean, he was just a shadow of himself last year and having him back is doing huge things for this offense right now. Yeah. And yeah, to go with Mitchell, let's just, let's just keep all the praise that we can on him. I mean, he's shooting career high in points. He's going career high in assists, career high in three point percentage. The guy is balling out. He's like the most important thing that we talk about in terms of him and in terms of Murray was building on that form that they showed in the bubble. They showed that they're capable and they just had to show now that it wasn't just a, a small little blip that uh, of, of great form, that they, they were able to do it on a consistent basis. And that's exactly what Donovan Mitchell's doing. He's taken this team, he's realized that this is his squad and he needs to be their leader on a consistent basis, night after night. And that's that's exactly what he's doing. And you just hope he keeps pushing on and makes this a career year for the Jazz and maybe a really exciting one for the Jazz. Yeah, and you know, not to give credit to what Shaq said, because I, I thought it was again, it was, it was such a stupid moment to do it. But looking down the line, and I, I think the way this team has played, it's reasonable to think they cool off a little bit from three. But I think it's pretty sustainable the system that they've developed here, that the way they're getting their shots, the guys that are getting their shots are are good shooters. The, the system works. So you can definitely argue that they have a chance to be fighting for that one or two seed and honestly just trying to avoid playing uh, both LA teams in the playoffs. But can you see Mitchell being that guy? Can, can he be the best player on a team that can take the Clippers to five, six games? Can they win a seven game series? Like it's, it's going to take all season long maybe to answer this question, but I guess I'm feeling a little more convinced than I was before for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think every time you watch Donovan Mitchell, he kind of he fills you with a little bit more hope that he is capable of being the guy. I think you always have your questions about this guy for for a number of different reasons, but he keeps on answering them night after night. And the way he's going at this moment, yeah, I, I believe that he is capable of leading a team into a seven game series against top teams like the like the LA teams and really put up a decent challenge and not just roll over. Yeah. And one guy we got to talk about also, Gobert has been constantly maligned for his lack of offense. And, you know, he's not blown it up on the offensive end this year. And I think if you look just at the box score, you're going to be like, wow, look, he's, his scoring is down and he's not really getting that involved. But when you watch the games, I think a big reason for his numbers being down is the system that they're running. They're just getting better shots that isn't Gobert cleaning up garbage uh, around the rim. That isn't Gobert um, having to run a million pick and rolls to get a shot. Like they are getting open threes. They're getting open drives into the lane. And I don't think he's really benefiting off of that. But to see how he contributes to the system just selflessly, like the amount of gravity that he carries on, on rolls, like teams have to collapse and respect that. And the amount that he's willing to put his body in line, constantly screening, constantly making space for for guys like Conley and Mitchell to get to the rim. Like, I have a lot of respect for him because he, as a super max guy, he's not getting the touches. He's not getting post-ups. He's not, he's not having to prove himself. He's just playing within his role at, at an elite level. Like, he's still impacting the team um, on the defensive end. And per Raptor, I mean, if you're talking about um, metrics, we talked about it in our preseason coverage of the Jazz. I mean, he's still the best defender in the league he's saving right now a league best 10 points per 100 possessions that's leading the league by a mile right now and on their last road trip the jazz only gave up one point per possession when gobert was on the court which is again by a mile better than any other player in the league so his impact on the defensive end is absolutely the reason right why they're going to stay top 10 all year long yeah, I think that's that's you really have to dive in deep to to fully appreciate Gobert sometimes. But I mean, even obviously those are stats incredibly impressive and they're so important to the to why this Utah team is twelve and four at this very moment. 
But even you look at it even in a, in a more simplistic nature, he's averaging 2.7 blocks a game and three and a half offensive boards, 10 defensive boards. And that's so important to them because he's keeping uh, attacks alive for the Jazz while he's also the key part to why that they're, they're doing so well on defense is they're only allowing other teams one shot when they get up the floor. Which is always that's always a problem that you, you see in some of the in some of the weaker teams that when they force a bad shot up, they don't get the defensive board and they, they give better teams those extra extra opportunities and you're always gonna get done in if you give great players more than one shot, you haven't got a hope. And that's something that Gobert is great at make sure you make sure that if you mess up, he is gonna clean up and you're not gonna get that Absolutely. second chance. Absolutely. And you, you see the older guys too, and back, back to Conley um, and, and Ingles, just mentioning them, they, they seem to have down years last year. And you, you kind of asked a very serious question. Are, are these two now on the wrong side of 30? Are these guys on the decline? Can you rely on them anymore? And another bet in the offseason that I definitely didn't like on the jazz part is, yeah, you made the trade for Conley, but he looked really bad. And to keep him around for $34 million, they accepted that um, team option and they kept him on and it's paying off. Another gamble that they had that I think maybe from the outside looking in, you didn't see the trajectory for this workout, but he's having a career resurgence. He's definitely had an impact on their half court, which is the best in the league right now. They have the best half court offense. And it's amazing to me that you see a lot of teams around the league they're so successful in the open court. They're so successful in just basically ramming possessions down the other team's throat. But they're second. They're the second slowest team in the league. They are second worst in transition, and they're doing all of this in the half court. And you got to give a lot of credit to to not just the coaching, but your your old man point guard there, really running crafty uh, pick and roll schemes. And it's it's great to see him back at the level that he belongs at. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you just you, you think that that's that's why you got the guys do the scouting. That's why the guys are in these roles in organizations that they they made sure to put together this team as they wanted it. They took risks with the likes of Clarks and the likes of Conley, even getting Gobert back in the Supermax, and it's all clicking into place right now. And it's all it's all just looking really good. But of course, they do face the Knicks in their next game. So I mean, they're probably Tough. they'll probably face a drop off there. <laughs> I mean, hey, they, they, another, another team that took down the Warriors, I think they'll, they'll match up well. Um, but that, that is, that does question. Like we were going to talk about the Pacers, right? The Pacers were on a great, great tear. And then it seems like it's kind of uh, fills a little off a little bit. Um, obviously losing all the deep and not having Karis Levert on the floor hasn't helped. But looking forward on the Jazz schedule, yeah, they got the Knicks, they got Dallas twice, Denver. That's not, that's not an easy four game stretch by any means. But then they got Detroit. Atlanta, Charlotte, the Pacers. Um, I I think that given this early stretch, the amount of momentum that they've had, like to keep this up, is definitely sustainable. And we'll we'll see if at the end of the season that they're pushing again after another another good season last year. If they're pushing for a top four seed, if they're pushing for a top two seed, because that's I think that's going to be a major thing for a lot of these teams in the West to avoid the two LA teams. You, you got to do it to survive to even have a chance. Yeah, absolutely. And I think they're in a great position to do that with the, the way that the likes of Dallas and Denver have both started this season. Um, I think the Jazz kind of need to keep up this momentum to make sure that they are in the, in the position where it's theirs to lose at the, at the third or fourth seed uh, because when the other teams are struggling, you got to take advantage. Obviously, the two LA teams are still riding high, not a bother on them, but the Jazz need to make sure that they are the best of the rest come the end of the year and that, that they put themselves in, the, in a great position to do that with their start to the season. Yeah, and speaking about one of the teams that they were playing, um, man, that, that 77 point half against the Warriors, just effortlessly destroying them. Like the, it was at the end, it was almost a 30 point uh, game, but that that didn't even speak to the level of of dominance on both ends of the floor against the Warriors. Um, and I think this is a good segue 
we wanted to talk a little bit about some trades today. Um, we want to canvas league here and talk about teams that really need to make a trade or, or maybe looking to make a new direction. And I think the Warriors are a team I, I really want to talk about here because while they're at 500, they maybe have looked a lot better now that uh, Draymond has come back. I mean, their, their defense has gotten better. They look a lot smoother on the offensive end. Curry is starting to click a lot more. But they also are still one of the worst teams in the league in uh, point differential. Right now, their starting lineup is a negative 60. Is it, sorry, a negative 73 in 161 minutes. And that point differential, they're negative 59, which puts them at sixth worst in the league behind the likes of Timberwolves, behind the likes of Charlotte. So this is a team that's super hot and cold. Yeah. And you could say some of those are from the early, early goings, but you just saw a game just like that against the Jazz, a team that you should be competing against if you're the Warriors, if you're, you got Steph Curry and Draymond Green on the floor. And I think for the Warriors right now, you like what you've seen, the flashes you've seen from Wiseman. And he has definitely some strong flashes of pick and roll dominance, of being able to clean up the glass, being able to defend several positions at times. But he's just too young. Like how I could I could put a highlight reel of him getting all these dunks and these crazy blocks, and I can make one twice as long of Draymond Green yelling at him for not rotating or making the right pass or the right shot. Like there's clearly like this growing friction, I think, that yes, Draymond can teach him, but they want to win. Like this is this is not this is a team that had a really, really disappointing finals appearance a couple years ago that ended in injuries. And I don't think that they're content to just teach this young guy how to play in the NBA and figure it out later. I think you're gonna approach a period of time where if the struggles continue with the youth and the lack of depth on this team, that maybe this is the team that might want to make a trade. So I don't know if this is one of the teams that you had here. We, we kept it as a surprise. I, th I think we make it interesting, but let me run this by you because you've been talking a lot about this particular player. Washington is going to quickly descend into the trade madness of the middle of the season. And Bradley Beal's name is not going to stop running through the mill. So I'll start it off with this. Think about Bradley Beal on the perimeter there and the difference between guys like Jordan Bell or not Jordan Poole and Michael Mulder and Kelly Oubre. You got a guy like Bradley Beal on the perimeter. You've basically replaced not only a lot of Clay's shooting, some of his defense, but then you can take away all that pressure on Steph to be the only on-ball creator. I think the big goal for them right now is that they don't have another guy to rely on on the offensive end to create. It's just all Steph Curry. If it's not Steph Curry, then it's Draymond. Draymond can't do all of it with the ball in his hand. Like, he's he's a system guy. So I'm thinking Eric Pascal, James Wiseman. You got a Kelly Oubre reuniting in D.C. and two first-round picks. Because that, that I think Harden really set the set the uh, the value for that type of player in the trade that they made with the Nets. So, what, what do you what do you think? Is is Washington going to budge? If you're Washington, I'm sending I'm picking up the phone. I'm calling you, Eric Pascal, James Wiseman, Kelly Oubre, and two first round picks for Bradley Beal and Rui Hachimura. I think it it, it could interest them. I still think they won't feel the need to do it unless Beal really kind of pushes that little bit. I mean, I don't want him coming out and say, demand that he wants out, refusing to play, all that sort of stuff. But he just kind of has to nudge them in the direction, say that he kind of wants to make the move. And I mean, hey, this could be, it might not be quite the Splash Brothers, but Bradley Beal and Steph Curry in the backcourt would be uh, would be pretty fun to watch. Uh, don't care. <laughs> That would be, that would be a, bit, a little bit scary, and it would certainly bump up uh, the Warriors' chances of, at the very least, being in the playoffs. At this moment, of course, they still have Steph Curry, so you're still kind of saying they're, they're going to be around there, but at this very moment, you wouldn't be that confident, and especially if they got in a guy like Bradley Beal, that would instantly make them 
a dangerous low seed in the Western Conference that you probably wouldn't really feed. A team you wouldn't want to play early, but at the same time, if you're LA or or either of the LA teams, you're probably still going to be confident about beating them. But that that gives them a, that different element that they've lost with Clay Thompson, and it, it's definitely a move that they should be interested in making because this is still a team that need to win now. They don't have time to be waiting around and, and building around Wiseman. Yeah, I think you can make a deal there. And, and hey, say say you you want a little bit more, sweeten the deal. You swap out. Kelly Oubre and you do Bradley Beal, Hachimura for Pascal Wiseman and Wiggins and those two picks. I think that, I think that about gets you there I mean, for the wizards. You want future assets. Cause you, you realize that, you know, they, they made this bet. They made that, they made that trade for Westbrook and they wanted to see if that would maybe fix what they, what situation they had with wall and Beal clearly didn't work and they have to look for ways to get young players and picks and i mean wiggins is having a career year from uh from the three-point line i mean he's still not that star that you've, you've wanted him to be but it's clearly better i, I think there's a, a deal there but enter another team it, this one's interesting personally for me because i i think that in chicago you got some guys that are building some serious value so even even though the team sits just below 500 um, Chicago is among the, uh, some of the teams that have had the lowest point differentials. They've been a lot of close games, and the guys carrying them to that, yes, you got your Zach Levine, but guys like Otto Porter, Denzel Valentine, um, guys who are veterans that are really, 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 really needed on this Warriors team. Because if you look at their second unit, man, like the, the second that Draymond's off the floor, the second that Curry's off the floor, like it's a massacre. Like they look terrible. They take all these terrible shots. They don't run the system that you'd want them to. And if Chicago can offer them Wendell Carter, who's a much, much better passer. He's a much better screener right now. And Otto Porter, Denzel Valentine, who's a sneaky good playmaker for and the 2021 20, pick swap to make up for it. You get James Wiseman, Andrew Wiggins, and Jordan Poole. I'm Chicago. I'm, I'm calling. I'm calling Golden State. What, what do you say? We, we had the Wendell Carter call before. How about now? Uh, it, it's those, those are the kind of that's the kind of trade that you're kind of thinking when you actually if you just think about it, you're kind of like nah 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 no way that 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 ain't, that ain't worth it. But you kind of if you kind of look at it from the aspects of both teams. It might, it might just be an interesting move. Maybe you're kind of stretching it a little bit with with Wiseman and Wiggins. I think that might be a small bit of a push there. But I think it, it, it would definitely turn the heads of the Golden State Warriors. And it, it, it could, wouldn't be, obviously wouldn't be as impactful as getting Bradley Beal in. But it's, it's definitely another one that would be an interesting way to kind of solidify the team rather than be focusing on building up this young player and James Wiseman. So yeah, I'll, I'll tell you like Wendell Carter for, for James Wiseman, you get a much, a much better passer. And one thing that the Warriors really thrive on is their big men making quick and smart decisions. Wendell Carter can do that much better than Wiseman right now. Otto Porter for Wiggins, you get a more reliable shooter. You get a guy who's done after this, you have flexibility to, to deal with that money you get free up 28 million off the books in one year and you get to compete with the guys a little bit more steady denzel valentine for jordan Poole, it's a no-brainer you get better shooting you get better playmaking 21 pick swap there you go you get your draft capital back you didn't waste that pick on wiseman for nothing bulls are likely going to be in the lottery this year i'd say it's a home run Yeah, you know what? Hey, hey, why not? You gotta, you gotta, gotta, you gotta, you gotta take these chances in life. So yeah, why not? Why not? Make, why not try to make that move? All right. So I, I got my, I got my Warriors there. That's how I would fix them up. Um, maybe a little selfish there to to swap Wiseman over there to Chicago. But who do you got? What, what do you? What trades do you want to see happen in the league right now? Well, I'm gonna start with a guy we already talked about, and that would be that's Bradley Beal. So I have here possible trades to two teams here. And the first one I'm looking at is the Heat. Interesting. Because they were feeling fairly confident about getting James Harden. 
but then they weren't willing to give up Tyler Harrow because they were still kind of quietly confident that Yanis wasn't going to sign the deal in Milwaukee and they thought that Yanis was going to walk right on over and sign with Miami. I think they were they were pretty confident of that deal happening. It ain't going to happen now. Bradley Beal is possibly their, their third and final shot to um, to make this team into more of a contender. And they, I mean, they got to the finals last year, but they obviously they didn't have anywhere near enough to really make it to go all the way and win another championship. So they still need to add a solid, consistent star alongside Jimmy Butler and some of their young pieces. And I think they might just be willing to give up Hero to Washington to get Bradley Beal over to South Beach. So I'm thinking Bradley Beal to the Miami Heat for Tyler Hero, Andre Iguodala, Kelly Olenek, and a first-round pick. You're high. Try again. (laughs) (laughs) That, I think, it's probably low-balling a little bit. And that's probably me with my my uh, Tyler Hero fan cap on there, but <laughs> I think maybe maybe you got to add someone like Kendrick Nunn in too. I, I'd maybe say add that I'm, in. I think that's a starter. You know, that's a starter. So if, if you're if you call me, I've um found the Wizards. I'm picking up the phone, and I mean here he it's Hero and picks. It, it's got to be multiple picks. And that that's where you start. And I think Hero, Cap Filler, Precious Achua, and a minimum of two first round picks is what it takes to get who right now is the best scorer in the league. It's gonna it's gonna take, I think, a, a lot because Hero right now. I mean, it's it's interesting how how in the bubble when all eyes are on him, the, the national media and the heat are surging, like his stock is, is crazy high. Like right now he's still playing well, but I, I think for a guy like Beal, like look at the deal that they just made for Harden. And I think right now in terms of trade value, while Harden, you could say is individually a better player than, than Beal. Beal's younger. He's on team control for longer and he can kind of fit any system perfectly. So when you look at the trade value there, it, you're going to want multiple picks. You're going to want like, they gave up Karis LeVert. They gave up Jared Allen. I think at a minimum, you're going to want to get Tyler Hero, Precious Achua. But I, I think that that gets you pretty close there if the Heat are willing to give up those two young guys. And I think you're right. The Wizards are probably going to try and peel off Kendrick Nunn as well if they can. Yeah, it's just a, you kind of look at it more so and them giving up assets they already have compared to picks because I feel like the Heat are not about that. They don't, they don't like to give up their picks too often. So I couldn't see I see them being more willing to give up players that they already have in the team compared to to multiple multiple draft picks. But moving on from Miami, I also have got Bradley Beal to Philly, which is uh, something I already I already asked you about. Mm. Mm-hmm. I still just have it down as Bradley Beal to Philadelphia for Ben Simmons and three first-round picks. Still willingness to put in another player there, but as you said before, you look, Ben Simmons has pretty much everything you could want in a young guard to build around other than consistent scoring. If you can build the right team around him, Ben Simmons could be an unbelievable starting point for a franchise. And Philly, they just need that extra guy that they can lean on in terms of scoring because... Obviously, Embiid's balling out, but if they can add Bradley Beal, you definitely, you definitely consider them a bit more of a contender. And I mean, think about the the fit with Ben Simmons there in Washington. Who better to teach one of the worst shooters in the league to shoot a lot, even though he sucks, than Russell Westbrook? That just would be <laughs> the, the the best mentorship possible. I, can you imagine the two of them on the court together? Like they would they would score like half a point per possession all year long. That would be the, the worst offensive team in the league. But I, that. If you're going to give me Ben Simmons and no shooting to go around him, which is already a problem for the Wizards, I mean, that, a problem among many. I, I think if, if Philly's calling and offering Ben Simmons and three first-round picks, they better be later-year picks 
because I mean, think about it. You're setting up the 76ers for dominance for a while because you could definitely argue that Bradley, you replace Ben Simmons with Bradley Beal, although they lose a lot of their playmaking, like that fit with him and Embiid. And that's the thing with Beal, like his play at the two is so moldable and so um, seamlessly perfect with so many of these stars. So, I mean, you have to imagine like his value is just astronomically higher than that. I, I'd, I'd want to definitely, I'm definitely taking Maxi from you. I'm definitely mm-hmm. taking um, those picks, like you said, and, and, and maybe more, but that, that's that fit in and of itself. Like you, you want to see Beal stay in the East. You want to see the East continue to get better. And you want to see the 76ers make a move, I think, to, to, to bridge the gap between what they are right now, which is a really, really good team to being a championship team. They're, they're just, they're just a move away from that. And I feel terrible for Ben Simmons. <laughs> having, having this guy who I think is one of the most interesting players in, in league history to be stuck on the Washington Wizards and just the complete dysfunction that that team has had for years now like that would just be a a terrible uh, way to end the the story of ben simmons but it's it's interesting that that that's definitely two teams there that that could get started and ben simmons obviously is is a is a known talent you're not sure what tyler hero is going to be you're not sure what other some of these other young guys are going to be but you know what you get with ben simmons and you know that uh hey maybe maybe you can rehabilitate his value maybe you can build a little bit better around him uh the Wizards haven't built a good team around any of their star players before, but hey, <laughs> the first time for now. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, th- those are surprisingly. I mean, this could have been a whole entire Bradley Beal trade uh, episode, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll keep we'll keep it interesting and move on to some some other guys. Um, we've had a lot of discussions about the Timberwolves, a lot of discussions about how bad they've looked, and I suspect you might have a Timberwolves trade. Am I right? No. I actually no. Didn't even, I didn't even consider right. them. They're so, I, I they're got, so, I got they're the, so useless. <laughs> <laughs> I got your bases covered here. Okay. Because here, here's a problem for me is, you know, in this LeBron era, we've seen Kawhi leave San Antonio. We've seen Anthony Davis leave New Orleans. Now Harden left, Minnes, uh, left Houston. I don't think the Timberwolves want to be in a situation, KG 2.0, where they lose their star and don't have a single playoff series win to show for it. Carl Anthony Towns is not going to wait forever. No, no one is in this day and age. You don't, you don't have any star forever. Giannis is a beautiful exception to that, but you got to think about this part too. If they don't make the playoffs this year, they're not getting a pick. (laughs) They don't have a pick next year. They need, need to make the playoffs and they have to be willing to sell anything for it to not just make the playoffs, but not lose out on a pick. And meanwhile, get very close to losing their star. So with that, I got to say, we got to talk about D'Angelo Russell for a second. Negative 11.8 with D'Angelo Russell on the floor. That is a league where it's plus minus by more than three points. Jesus. I mean, he's not this bad. He's not this bad, but the fit isn't there. It's you can go on and on about it, but the fit is not there, both defensively and offensively. And you talk about another guy, Anthony Edwards, who has gotten Andrew Wiggins comparisons from the second that he was rumored to go to the Wolves. And unfortunately, he's kind of looked apart. He just looks completely aloof on defense. He doesn't always make the right move on offense. He's not really an intuitive playmaker. And these are all things that, that rookies have issues with. But again, you think about the fact that Carl Anthony Towns is there. He's, he's waiting to be successful with his team. And he's waited a long time. Are you going to wait for Anthony Edwards to figure it out, if he even does? Or do you sell while the stock is still there? Because I wouldn't say that people are out on Anthony Edwards yet. You could still sell in his potential. But damn it, if you wait and his stock sinks and you can't even move him, then you are just screwed. And you won't even have a pick again next year to show for it. So here's my my first crazy blockbuster. All right. Give it to me. Aaron Gordon is a match made in heaven for this team. Orlando 
they invested in him. They signed him on a pretty good deal. But I think they're pretty high also on Jonathan Isaac, who, although he's hurt right now, that's their future. So Aaron Gordon's movable. There's been a lot of rumors with him, even by said mentioned by Zach Lowe, that he could he was being looked at by Minnesota. If you trade, if I call you, you're Orlando, and I say Ricky Rubio, right now you don't have Markel Fultz, so you need some playmaking, and you guys, you want to make the playoffs. Ricky Rubio, Anthony Edwards, Jarrett Culver for Aaron Gordon and whatever salary filler. How's that sound? No, it's not. It's, that's that's a that's a that's a very decent offer, and I think I think they might try and flesh a little bit more out of it because I feel like Orlando will feel the desperation from Minnesota. But, <laughs> a lot of teams are. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, in terms of the fit, I, I love that move. I think that would be a really interesting move for both player and team, and I think he's the kind of guy that this Minnesota team needs. He, he's a very underrated defender. He's Absolutely. a guy that can go off on teams and it has shown that uh, not, not overly consistently, but he is capable. But the, the biggest problem that Minnesota are facing is that they have no defense at all. So yeah, I think Aaron Gordon is definitely a guy that would really boost up this, this uh, Minnesota team and a guy who I think could really hook up well with with, with uh, Carl Anthony Towns and maybe improve Delo's game. Someone's got it. Yeah, ultimately, like the the biggest problem, um, you, you could you could spend all night talking about all the issues that Minnesota has had, but one of the more glaring ones is the the four spot. You don't have. I mean, there's only so many minutes that you can watch of ed davis nas reed and jared vanderbilt before you realize like that that's just not the answer they don't have an answer there at all and having a guy like aaron gordon be a switchable um defender who can shoot the three he can definitely play make he can handle the ball a little bit and he's just this all-around guy and i've come to really appreciate aaron gordon's game like he's not the flashiest guy by any means but he's very consistent on both ends of the ball and another guy like that for another team who I think is a really interesting position. Um, and this, this is what the Harden trade did. Like, I, I think we, a lot of teams really are have to debate their future. Teams like the Raptors. The Raptors made a crazy trade a few years back to get Kawhi Leonard and ultimately won them their championship. He was a rental. Um, and you go into this year, you look at their team, they extended Fred Van Vliet, they signed Siakam to that Supermax. Um, and it doesn't look like it's paying off. You, you compare the, the Jazz and you compare now to the, the Raptors, guys betting on their, their team, betting on consistency, and it hasn't worked out for them. And while Siakam's starting to make a resurgence, starting to look better, they're definitely a team that is looking in the mirror and realizing they are not contenders anymore. They don't have the firepower. They don't have even the depth. And they don't really have a position to even rebuild right now with any other young guys. They've kind of peaked here. I don't think they're going to expect a superstar jump from Fred Van Vliet. And I think they're realizing they're not going to get a superstar jump from Pascal Siakam. But what they can do here is maybe sell on some guys who can make other teams vault into that position. How jaded do you think Carl Anthony Towns would have to get to see his friend go? that's <laughs> <laughs> uh, hard to know but I think it's definitely a, a move that uh, Minnesota should be considering so D'Angelo Russell and Anthony Edwards I think they would look pretty good in red and if you sell, sell them on Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam if I'm calling you up you're the Timberwolves and I'm, I'm selling you Kyle Lowry you get to free up $31 million in salary next year. And you get a veteran point guard who's still playing in his prime right now. And Pascal Siakam, who just like we talked, I think he's really kind of a supercharged version version of Aaron Gordon at his peak. Do you take that? Yes. <laughs> yes. Unless, unless 
they have they know something we don't and and Anthony Edwards is on the cusp of becoming the greatest player of all time I think you snap the Raptors hand off and you take that deal immediately (laughs) Cat is still their guy and the most important thing they can do is try and build a team that can maybe compete around Carol Anthony Towns and of course I, I think they've been trying to do it over the last few years not that they've really had any success but that's what they still they have to they have to keep on doing that. So yeah, if you if that's a deal you can make, I think you uh, you absolutely take that uh, if you're in Minnesota. Well, for Toronto, I think you're kind of happy because well, who knows with D'Lo, but you're still get you're getting Anthony Edwards, and he's a guy that you can just try and develop, and you never know maybe he could become the star. But I mean, he's a number one pick. Why not take him now? He, he's only had a few few weeks in the league, really, uh, coming into the league in the most difficult season you possibly could, but no summer league and everything like that. So yeah, I think I think that could be a good move for both teams and uh, a better move, I think, for Minnesota at this very moment. And definitely a move if they can make it, they should definitely yeah. take that deal. Yeah, for, I mean for Toronto, think about who's running that team. Masai Ujiri is not a guy to stand pat. I mean, he, he's going to make risks. He, he did it when he traded DeRozan, who was the heart and soul of Toronto. You don't think he would do that for um, Pascal Siakam? If, if they can trade DeRozan, then you bet that he, he would definitely make a move to get a guy who you can argue, if you, tre- if you train him right and you teach him how to play the game right, that he could be a transcendent talent. Like he's shown that he, Anthony Edwards has shown that. D'Angelo Russell has showed that he could be one of these best scorers. So when you got a coach like Nick Nurse, do you want him to get you as high as middling? Or maybe do you give him some young guys he can develop into stars? So I, I think for, for both teams, I, I definitely think, I'm not sure if, if these are the moves that are happen, but the Raptors are, are looking at a situation where they don't want to be stuck middling. And the Timberwolves are looking at a situation where they don't want to lose cat. And that's, that's just got to be the scariest thought for that franchise. And both teams definitely are considering something at this point. Maybe that's the one, but what do you got for me? I, I know you got a few more. I got, I got a, a smaller trade here, but one that could really reinvigorate a, a young team. I got the Pelicans hmm. making a move for a big that can help them spread the floor. And I have it down here, LaMarcus Aldrich as the big, the Pelicans could target. I mean, the biggest thing... That is thing definitely the, not one I thought of. <laughs> they uh, they need to find their Brooke Lopez. That's what I, When I look at the Pelicans, that's what I'm thinking. I think they need to find their, their big that can, that can spread the floor a bit more and is capable of knocking down shots. And I think, not that the, LaMarcus Aldrich is, is all that, but he's a guy who is capable of shooting the three, He's a capable scorer and a really just experienced, intelligent player. He's 35 now, uh, so it would only be probably a short-term contract uh, deal with him, but he'd be a guy that you, you bring him in just to kind of test the waters and see what impact the type of player that he is could have on the rest of the Pelicans team and, most importantly, Zion Williamson. So, I mean, they is brought in Steve Adams. to play Zion Williamson at the three? <laughs> this is all a ploy to, to, to make Zion Williamson a, a small forward. Stephen Adams hey. at the five, Aldridge at the four, Zion at the three. Biggest front court, front court in the league. Maybe. I mean, I, <laughs> right here, I, I have them down to, the, to trade to trade Stephen Adams for Aldridge. Really? Okay, let's hear it then. I got Steve Adams plus picks. For Lamarcus Aldridge, I just I think the Spurs will want that little bit a little bit more. I don't even know if they're considering continuing on with Aldridge. I think they're kind of interested in exploring deals for him, just knowing the age that he is now. But yeah, I have I have Aldridge to the Pelicans for Stephen Adams. I just want to see what this Pelicans team can do with a bit more spacing on the floor. That's that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing. I want to see them get try and get the best out of Zion, and it's kind of the interesting one because of the age of Aldridge, his experience, and you'd really get a good tester to see if that sort of move will bring the best out of Zion and you can push on and, and scout different players based on that over, over the next couple of, 
couple of seasons. It's funny because like when you when you think about we've talked about this a lot about how the Pelicans have struggled, how the way they're constructed, you you knew that they weren't going to have the spacing to really use Zion at the level that he was he's supposed to be used right now. Um, but he's still scoring like 30 points a game at, at certain stretches without the spacing. So you imagine what do you do when you get that? Um, I just didn't expect that when we said spacing big that LaMarcus Aldridge was the first guy you thought of. I, th- I just thought he was an interesting one. He's a guy who's kind of transitioned to that over the last couple of years. And I just, uh, I, if I, when I really wanted out, I was like, hey, I just go for go for Brooke Lopez. But I don't think that that trade's going to happen. But in terms of stretch bigs out there that are actually available, it was kind of a, it was kind of tough to, uh, to to pick one out that actually would they'd have a good chance of, of getting a <laughs> uh, getting a trade for. So that that's why I had Lamarcus Aldridge down there. Yeah, I mean, they're the Spurs too. Like they got DeRozan, they got Aldridge, and they got a bunch of these young guys. It's it's a feisty team for sure. They they still compete. Um, depends. All right. So if, if you're if you're calling me up, you're you're the Spurs. What what picks are you asking me for here for your your borderline geriatric small forward? <laughs> so what you're saying? What 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 picks are the the what, pick, the Spurs what picks are you squeezing from? out? What what picks are you squeezing out of us here in New Orleans? Ah oh, man, now well, they they have enough they have enough to choose from. I don't I think they could be willing to give up a couple of picks. Uh, with what they still have their their all uh, first rounders, their whole cash in the bag from 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 AD. So I I think they would be okay with make it making a deal. Uh maybe one first rounder, two second rounders. <laughs> I don't know. I think this is my this is my thing with young t- teams that that try to win too fast. And I'm worried, I am worried that the Pelicans will try and make a move and sell some picks. Cause I mean, the, the logic goes, Oh, you got money, spend it. But I think patience is key for this team. And I think I'd almost rather see the Pelicans be bad this year and get in the lottery again and, and, and use their draft capital. Cause I don't think this team looks ready to win. I, I think Zion looks great offensively but defensively he looks terrible brandon ingram defensively looks terrible they don't seem to have the team cohesion they don't seem to have the culture um i Stand i'm man's not doing it <laughs> yeah I, I think we we did and just go off a little tangent um i mean sam van gundy we expected a lot of him to make this team better they had spurts of it offensively but they have absolutely nothing to show for it on the defensive end and it's killed them so maybe they maybe they make a deal for another vet um i think steven adams has been huge for them in terms of keeping zion healthy maybe i've been a lot of talk about how him boxing out and and defending the paint has kept zion from having to do all of that on that end of the floor but it's interesting to say the least i think lamarcus aldridge does still have a place in this league to to be to space the floor and to to be a a back to the basket score like any team who needs that he's going to give that to you automatically yeah 100 percent. so final trade that i got down here is 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 an interesting one i've got i'm looking at the dallas mavericks and i'm thinking they need to make a little move they they got a guy in in the summer in josh richardson Mm-hmm. And of course, we haven't really seen much of him. I think Dallas have got a lot of issues with injuries and COVID and stuff, so it's kind of hard to judge too harshly. But I don't think it's going to work. So I think they should try and make a move. And I think a guy that they might try and target is CJ McCollum. I'm gonna need to hear this one. <laughs> I think him. I I I I would love. To see CJ McCollum and Luca in, in in the backcourt. I don't know if the, the the Dallas have enough to give up to get CJ McCollum, but I think Josh Richardson has come in and he hasn't really been what they thought he was going to be. And don't get me wrong, he could come back uh, after when when the team is a little bit more settled and he could really click on it, but. I think Dallas are in a bit of a rut to start this year, and maybe a little, a little move, a little trade, 
might be something that they need. They want to build a bit more of a three-headed monster. That That's always been the feeling from when they got Porzingis back healthy. They still felt that they needed that third guy. So I'm thinking CJ McCollum's a guy that they might try and target. Blazers had a mixed year. There was all talk before that they were going to try and explore trades for CJ McCollum. They're not, probably not going to want to do it now with the way he started the year. But He's knocking on all-star numbers, yeah. Like if, if yeah. he kept going, didn't get hurt, yeah. So I'm thinking CJ McCollum to Dallas. I'm thinking you give up Josh Richardson, Pell, Willie Colley-Stein, and whatever picks that that the, uh, the Trailblazers want because if Dallas had a team that was built around Doncic, KP, and CJ McCollum, I don't think they'd have too much to worry about in terms of needing picks over the next few years. Ronan, I'm farting on the phone. I'm hanging up. There's no way. <laughs> no way. You, all right, you, you, said, you said Josh Richardson and, and who else? And picks... Oh, man, it was tough with that Dallas roster because you're looking at it and you're kind of like, they have guys. I mean, realistically, you'd have to have Tim Hardaway Jr. on that list as well. Oh, absolutely, but I, yeah. But I, I just like Tim Hardaway in Dallas, so that's why I didn't put him <laughs> on there. But yeah, you, you absolutely have to have have to have Tim Hardaway and and, uh, and a rake and a rake load of of. You're crazy. That's that's like one. Of, that's like the like one of the uh, when we're in fantasy. That's one of the late night trades you send off and you'd cross your fingers, hope the guy's drunk and hits accept, <laughs> which in our league has already happened at least twice. <laughs> but oh, okay. I'll indulge that thought for a second because you see how Seth Curry has changed uh, the 76ers team. You saw now, you see now how the Mavericks definitely miss his spacing and his ability to shoot the ball. Um, you get CJ McCollum into that role like a super saiyan version of seth curry like that would be unreal like with luka Doncic there i i think maybe there, there's a deal to be had um and if you include a third team with 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 a young talent it'll be interesting i i almost actually think you, you gotta wonder if uh, chris evans porzingis is all is all potential still i think because right right now, like you're still gonna get that that um, amazing stretch four who can block shots like crazy um, and shoot from like 35 feet. But is he and Luca? We, we still have yet to see that. Obviously, with health being the main issue, and that's gonna continue to be an issue. Is is that? Do you want to bet on that? I don't know because. When you got him with the young Luka Doncic, which is ironic because I mean he's still young, like he's only been in the <laughs> league for a few years now. But when you had him in the beginning, you you got KP to pair with him. You just kept thinking about the potential of those two, the potential of those two, the potential of those two. But then you think about it's all about Luka. Who can we pair with Luka if it's if it means getting rid of KP and it's going to make Luka have a better chance at getting to the finals? If it's this year, or next year, you do it. Because you have you have your you don't have in Luca what you suspected maybe you had before, which was a star player. Like Luca Doncic will be the best player in the league as soon as LeBron decides to hang it up. Like he's he's gonna be the best player in the league for a long time. He doesn't need necessarily like Chris Stapps to be like a guy that elevates his play. That, that's I think I feel like that's what you got him for that pick and roll pairing, that pick and pop pairing. But if you were to able to trade. Chris Stapps for CJ. If I was, if I asked you for Chris Stapps, what would you think about it? If I trade you Chris Stapps and Robert Covington, or if, if I, if I give you CJ, Robert Covington, and I, I want, I want Chris Stapps back for that. I, it, obviously it's, it's a huge, call to make but I, I would be maybe trying to wriggle possibly Zach Collins into that deal sure I think that, that's if yeah. it, it was CJ and Zach Collins and you're getting KP in return I think that would be an interesting one because I think a pairing of, of CJ and Luca could really be something 
But then at the same time, you look at it and it's like, will he only be able to bring Luca to the level that Dame got to? So maybe a one finals appearance. You, you kind of look at it that way too. So it, it, it would be a tough call to make without really having given the Luca and Porzingis the chance. And of course, time is still on the side for both of them. So it would be a tough call to make, but I definitely... That 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 could turn the heads. That could that could be a head turner. That would be an interesting way to look at it. If, if that if it came to that, if they were in trade negotiations and that that was brought up. Yeah, we're. I mean, we're definitely dreaming right now because I mean, Portland <laughs> Portland's never getting rid of CJ. And I, I think um, Dallas is so invested in making KP and um, Doncic work. But it, it, it's interesting that that it's such an issue for both teams. I think that. The Mavericks need a more dynamic score alongside um, Luca. E- even though Tim Hardaway Jr., I mean, he's sometimes he's a walking bucket. But to have to elevate their game, I think they needed a guy like CJ. And to elevate Dame's game, they really are dying to have a dynamic big. Who again is Porzingis going to stay healthy? We'll see what happens this year. But I think there's diminishing returns on both sides to continue investing for CJ when it comes to Portland. Because honestly, you have that scoring from Damon. I think you can develop Gary Trent Jr. And if you're trading away Zach Collins to the Mavericks, you can hope in Dallas that Zach Collins gives you 75, 80% of what Luca can give you. And you can even give up Tim Hardaway Jr. and expect that CJ is going to give you 150% of what that is. It's, it's an interesting, actually an interesting uh, trade between the two, although it's never going to happen. But I, I think I think it's-, it's <laughs> You got to dream big, come on. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're honestly going to have to continue uh, dreaming about these scenarios because I think when you talk yourself into a lot of these trades, the biggest caveat that a lot of these teams are going to have is COVID, is fit, is is this a weird year? Is is it really indicative of how these players are, are going? And now that you have the big three in the East, is is it even worth trying to trade our assets to get better if, if we're just going to get destroyed by the nets or something like there's a lot of factors that I think are going to, I'm not sure if it's going to accelerate the, the rate of moves in the league or if it's going to make people kind of stand pat. We'll see. Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. You kind of think in the moment you can, you think some snap decisions might be made, but I think especially in the East, there's a lot of teams that are kind of settled at the moment and they, they don't need to make any dramatic moves. The West is a little bit kind of more up in the air with the, with the drop-off in some, in some of the top teams, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see because you always feel like huge trades are the hard one. They're going to have an impact one way or another on the league, not just making one team unbelievable, but on the way that other teams decide to do business. So you just kind of have to wait and, and keep an eye and, and see what sort of impact this, this, this trade ends up having. For sure. And my last, my last one, I, we're, we're just out of time here, but a guy that I definitely think will be, th- this is a realistic one, I think is the Cavaliers got to move on from Andre Drummond. They got their guy, Jared Allen. It's only a matter of time that his, um, all that big money has moved. Um, so Drummond's on that max deal, um, $28 million. And that's got to be a tantalizing number for teams who want to get off of salary early um, and possibly for teams who legitimately want to get better. Um, Toronto could be that team. The big problem for them has been inside scoring and rebounding. If they were to part ways with, I mean, I think even modest assets, they, they wouldn't have to really buy high on that kind of guy. They got the the space to pay for it so i mean if you're they're trading powell boucher who's having a resurgent year in terms of defense you know the Cavs love defense patrick mccaw first round pick i think that gets it done and just to wrap it up here maybe charlotte charlotte might be an interesting place for drummond um you saw michael jordan's not uh not scared to, to pay money for just about anybody at this point <laughs> yeah <laughs> So maybe Charlotte moves on from Zeller, Bridges, first round pick, and the Nets second round pick. And what you get is a big that can provide very good interior defense, which they have basically none at this point. 
you pair him pretty well alongside PJ Washington, who's showing up to be a very good stretch forward. And who's their point guard? Oh, yeah, LaMelo Ball. Giving him a guy like Andre Drummond to do some pick and roll with, that would be fun to watch. Meanwhile, you get Bridges over there, who I think definitely matches that energy and that that defensive zeal, both sides of the ball, that open court menace that is Miles Bridges. Having him with Colin Sexton, that would be fantastic basketball to watch. Yeah, I think that, that, that could be a really interesting move. And I think maybe be one way of shutting up uh, the bar ball. I think uh, he's the reason that that, that, that was the meta. The, the ball brothers are not going to have superstar careers because he's already saying that his his that the uh, Lamelo should be demanding a trade because his minutes got cut. Uh, oh my, I, I saw so I didn't even want to click it like he didn't uh, even deserve my time. It's complete <laughs> treating total garbage. He, if he if he would just shut up and let his ki- his kids play ball, they would be they would be a lot better for it. But yeah, yeah I would like I would like uh, that, that, that that that's definitely a move that you see as realistic especially because it definitely would benefit both teams. I think I, I, all my trades, they were kind of a little bit more in the, in the dream uh, sort of uh, area. <laughs> but yeah, that one's a, a, a lot more realistic and one that would help improve both teams. So yeah, why not make that move? I think Charlotte, you listed the problems that they're having and Drummond is a guy that can come in and if he's playing his best basketball, he will really help to sure up them sure them up on, on D and he'll he'll definitely help them on, on offense as well. He he provides it he provides on both ends and I think they probably want to get rid of him Cleveland. I don't think they're gonna to be too aggressive in trying to deal him. But I think it would definitely be a, a smart move for both teams to, to to make that trade. Yeah. I like it. For sure. Well I'm I'm bummed that you don't have any more trades left. Um I mean after after that CJ McCollum for Josh Richardson, I was, I mean, I was half expecting you to go like Kevin Knox for Anthony Davis or something like that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's your, your, oh, yeah. I mean, like <laughs> if, if maybe we trade Frank Nilakina and uh, Mitchell Robinson and we get LeBron and AD or something like that. Yeah. I think maybe that, that'll work. <laughs> easy, <laughs> easy deal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, man, always fun talking crazy. Always. I think the most fun thing about this league is like the amount of, moves that are made like that it's so dynamic to to see how teams are competing and i hope that teams ultimately take the houston rockets route that you know as teams get better other teams around them don't fold they go for it they 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 trade for that chris paul they trade for that russell westbrook they keep trying to to beat these bigger teams and i think you know maybe the lakers have been cruising through every team the clippers are seeming to catch their rhythm and you know the nets they've they've shown they've had a little bit of a weaknesses here and there so I, I hope that teams continue to push to get better and, and and make these big moves and ultimately we'll see what happens and yeah and we'll be here to talk about it when they make whatever moves that they make until next time man always good to talk to you joining us on today's episode of coast to coast don't forget to hit us up on instagram and twitter at coast to coast nba podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show and remember take every shot and love every moment